0: All right, I believe I'm unmute. There we go. All right. Well, I'm on a time limit here, apparently. So uh, no, it's it's great. And everybody load the other vehicle first, and let Jamin and Kristen do their own. That's how it's now. Jamin is actually one of my former pastors uh, at Oak Park, and so I've known Jamin and now Kristen for for a long time. But very grateful, gr- very grateful for them uh, and their friendship. But. Uh, it is It is always a great joy uh, to be with you. I think this is the third time, uh, if I remember correctly, that I've been able to preach uh, here at Faith, and it's just uh, always, again, a great joy to be able to uh, come and spend a Sunday morning with one of our, our church partners. We certainly have many, uh, and we're thankful for all of them, but uh, it's always just a sweet time uh, for me to come. And prior to uh, the service, Aaron said, don't blow it. Uh, and I said, "Well, I'm not a preacher by trade, so if I blow it, then you blow it. You know, uh, but uh, nonetheless, it's a great joy to open up the scriptures and to magnify Christ uh, and to uh, to to think about his sacrifice for our sin, um especially in this advent season as we're we're uh, in waiting in anticipation. Uh, for his coming, uh, but uh, as was prayed about and, and talked about uh, previously, uh, we certainly await his, his second coming. And uh, normally uh, when I preach, and so you, this will be the third time that you've heard this, I like to start with uh, just a reminder of uh, Christ uh, and his sacrifice and, and coming from a song it is well with my soul. Uh, third line, uh, I guess third verse, whatever you call it, I'm not a musician, but uh, it's my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. Let's pray, and we'll get right into it. Father, we are so grateful for your gospel. We're so grateful for your grace and your mercy, for the forgiveness of sin. Father, as we were singing previously and, and just thinking about the birth of Christ and And the glory that that is, Father, and yet we also have to be reminded and think about uh, the sacrifice that 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 child made as an adult. The sacrifice uh, upon a tree in a less than glamorous way, in a humiliating way, and yet was done for our sin. And Father, He conquered death and rose from the dead. And we are so grateful for that gospel this morning. Father, as we think about life and we think about trial and tribulation and challenge, Father, we think about where we find hope and rest, and that's in you. And so we're so thankful for that truth, Father. And I pray as we open up your word that we will find rest in you. In Christ's name, amen when Aaron texted me a, a few weeks ago asking if I'd be willing to preach of course you know I, I absolutely would love to and and, and obviously tying this into to recenter and started to think about uh, what you know? What what's on my heart? Uh, what's on my mind? Usually, again, I'm not a preacher by trade, and so when I get asked, it's like, okay, well, what's going on in life right now? You know, what are what are some things that I've been thinking about? What are some things that uh, have the Lord's really just been pressing upon my life? And I think my response to him was, you know, I'm thinking about something about trust and faith and and perseverance. And and so when I was asked previously uh, earlier this morning, you know, I'm praying for ReCenter this morning. How can I pray for you? Pray for our staff. Pray, pray for perseverance uh, in the ministry and then pray for the salvation of those that we serve. That's, that's our greatest desire, our greatest prayer. And, and, and some of you all, again, I know well, and, and uh, Jamin, I was actually referencing a, a conversation you and I had uh, many, many years ago as I was driving you to an airport uh, when I was uh, serving at a, a different organization in Louisville, uh, still serving homelessness, and I uh, was running into some, some dilemmas, some ethical dilemmas on, on how I was writing policy and different, uh, different things like that, that that really caused me to, to struggle because they were outside of our worldview as, as Christians, and yet I, I, because of my position, I was expected to do these things, and I asked Jamin, uh, as one of my pastors, I said, Jamin, do I need to leave this organization? And we talked through a lot of that, and Jamin, I don't know if you remember that conversation, we talked a lot through that, uh, but the reality of it is, is when the opportunity to go to ReCenter came, uh, the reason was because the unapologetic gospel ministry that this is, and so we pray uh, daily and regularly for the salvation. Uh, of our people, that is why we exist. our Our ministry is a ministry of reconciliation. We reconcile homeless and hurting people to God, family, and community by the power of Christ in partnership with the local church. That's what we do. That's what we do. But that can be hard. I think about my team, I think about conversations that I've had with my team. Jamin, I I know I keep referencing you, but I I see you back there, and so it's like Teaching Truth International. I get your updates, I read about what you're doing, and you think about the, the countries that you're going into or the countries that you can't. And the reason why is what? Because of social upheaval. Or it's closed to foreigners at this point because of X, Y, or Z. Our church used to have a partnership with Haiti you can't even go to Haiti now because of social upheaval. We're watching uh, war play out in front of us in the Middle East. In 2016, Sarah and I had the, the unique opportunity to go uh, to Israel and walk through some of these sites and locations and, and to feel, just as our, as our translator, who was a, a Russian-born Israeli who defected from Russia and ended up uh, going, taking advantage of his citizenship opportunity in Israel, and he said it's tense. His description, and this was, you know, 2016, he said literally like every day we live just in a sense of tension. A sense of tension. And as outside looking in, when you go to different places and different uh, different spots throughout, you can feel it. Can feel that tension. I was at Liberty University a couple of weeks ago sharing with a global sports ministry class. So full circle undergraduate degree sport management. Two professors from my undergrad in Georgia are now at Liberty, invited me to come speak to a global sports ministry conference because I work in homelessness in downtown Louisville. Very interesting. Nonetheless, I talked about this, this tension. Like, what does it mean to immerse yourself into an environment that is uncomfortable, that into an environment that is challenging into an environment that is difficult, immersing yourself into ministry, immersing yourself into the life of someone else. Pastor, and you understand this, you know, church context, any context, when you immerse yourself into something that's outside of your norm, you will run into new smells, new things, you know, new, new experiences, new challenges, new, new everything, because it's not normal for you not normal for you. And so when Pastor Aaron asked, what, what are you going to preach about? What, what are you thinking? Where are you, where are you, where's, your, where's your heart and where's your mind going? It, it goes into that. It's like, how do we persevere in the midst of hardship? And if we were to pull this room right now, I bet there would be a litany of stories, of challenge, a litany of stories, of difficulties a litany of stories of uh, maybe personal experiences. And there might be folks in here, and, and, and I don't want to be presumptuous in any way, shape, or form, but there might be folks right now that are dealing with something that nobody else has any idea about. And it's bottled. I've had, I've had team members come and tell me, I don't know that I can do this another day. I don't know that I can do this another day. Kristen most recently was serving on our board, and uh, I think I shared this at, at one of the the meetings that she was at. But uh, over the past couple of years, I was able to finish up a dissertation and and, and finish up an EDD, and, and and that's all an aside. It doesn't matter. But my my research is why I did it. My research was around something called secondary traumatic stress, uh, and then how does that relate to uh, someone's intention to leave? Uh, their profession. And so I focused intently on homeless service providers in Louisville and then critical care nurses in Louisville. My wife is a critical care nurse. Uh, She at that time was leading an ICU at Jewish Hospital. She's in education now uh, with Norton. But I focused my research around this because the reality of it is, is that I don't experience homelessness. My experience is not homelessness. But I could tell you stories and I could write a book about the experience of those that we've worked with that have had an impact on my life, whether it's reviving someone from an overdose on the sidewalk in front of our building last year. If you watch the news, most recently there was someone who passed away on the streets in a fire in a tent. We're moving too, Aaron knows this, but our, our facility, we're in this transition process, that happened across the street from our new building. Six months ago, me and my team put a fire out at that same location when we pulled up to our building to show one of our other church partners our our new facility, we've been EMTs, we've been police officers, we've been we've been everything that we're not trained to be in this line of ministry. I was having lunch with a, a missionary friend, uh, Jason Krigler. He and his family lear, uh, serve in Grenada. Uh, Jason used to work for us at ReCenter, and and we were having they're in in the states right now. We were having lunch a couple of weeks ago. And he, he was having some concern about uh, his co laborers and, and just their, their longevity, their, their commitment, and their, their challenge. And, uh, and he said, I just wish they'd be honest. Like, we're seeing this, but I just wish that we could find some way to minister. It is difficult. It is difficult. And again, I know I'm on a time limit, but I'm trying to. Uh, I, I hope you can understand that, like, this is life. This is life. And we need to be honest about it. Because if we're not, then we're just going to continue to suffer. We're going to continue to bear hardship. You know, we read a passage that was talking about the suffering for the sake of Christ in very tangible, tangible ways. But are we suffering internally because we're not trusting in Christ? We're not receiving those realities and filtering that through the, 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 the beliefs and the trust and the faith and the faithfulness of God that's the question that's the question that i have to ask myself every single day am i resting in the faith in the trust in the belief in the faithfulness of god and so where do we go and where can we where can we find uh, such encouragement uh why, why am I talking about, uh, if, if you're familiar with Martin Luther, which I presume many of you are, you know, he wrote a hymn called A Mighty Fortress uh, is Our God, and it's a beautiful hymn and, and, a, and a beautiful song, and it's been sung in, in many renditions over the years, but, but he is in fact a mighty fortress. What is a fortress? It's a, it's a place of protection. It's a place of protection. It's a place to find peace and comfort. It's a place uh, to ensure and to shore up and to make sure that nobody can overtake you. There's no greater place than find rest than in in Christ and Christ alone. No greater place. And so I wanted to look at Psalm 46. I think it just speaks to a few different things um, that we can hope for this morning. A few different things that we can take and maybe, as James says, we can, in fact, count it all joy when we face trials. Why? Because it produces steadfastness. And so I hope you're encouraged this morning. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Selah. There is a river whose streams may glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He is with us. Be still and know that I am God. So what do we see uh, in this psalm? What do we see, uh, the, the writer, a uh, Song of David, what do we see uh, happening in here? I think we see a, a couple of things. One is that we have hope that we can rest in the presence of God. We can rest in the presence of God. The first verse, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. A very present help. Have you ever been accused of being physically present but not actually present? If you ask my wife that, uh, I, I, I can guarantee you what she would say if, if I've ever, been, you know, ever done that. Yes, right. So we've been physically present, but you you would wonder if we were even there, right? I'm an introvert by nature. My wife is extremely extrovert. i'm I mean, it's glorious. She's beautiful. I love her to death, but she is an extrovert and and it just it is what it is. I'm an introvert, right? And so for me, it's much more challenging in that sense because I could literally, we, we have family all over the place. When we take road trips or we go drive to see family, it could be in silence for like eight hours. And it's not like, to me, I'm like, cool. Like, but I've had a conversation with myself for eight hours, right? Like literally, I'm not even joking. It's not like I'm just tuned out. Like I've literally had a conversation with myself for eight hours. I've thought about everything under the sun, you know, and we've got our three kids, you know, screaming, and Sarah's back there singing songs and stuff like that. And I'm just like, <laughs> you know, like that's what it looks like. And, and that's, that's the reality. Like, and it could be perceived as I am not present. And so I have to be very conscientious of that, right? God does not do, do that to us. He is a very present help in our time of trouble very present there are uh theories and ideas about god and deities out there that that say well there was a i'm sure there's a formal name for it uh and i probably learned it in seminary one day but there where god is the creator and then he just sort of lets his creation go created it and then he's sort of like out of bounds right not even coaching just completely out of the gym you know that's not our god that's not our God. And so if you're afflicted in any way, if you're challenged in any way, if you're at a point where you're saying, I don't know that I can do this anymore, whatever it is, I don't, I'm not presuming that's only upon those who are in ministry or in some sort of social service or human service or whatever the case may be, whatever the circumstance may be, I have an aunt that had open heart surgery in Cle- at the Cleveland Clinic on Friday. For her, God is our help. God is our help and our refuge. 10 to 12 hours, didn't know if she was going to wake up. Husband and two sons up there with her. God is our help. God is our help. He is our refuge, He is our strength. He is present in these times of trouble. The second verse, therefore we will not fear. We will not fear. The earth can give way, the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, the waters roar and foam, and the mountains tremble. But we will not fear. Because God is present in our time of need. I think we also see that we can trust in the sovereignty of God. In my notes, I have a lot of different references to the to the previous point that we could go through throughout the the, the course of history, but uh, but again in the interest of time, I think we look uh, in sort of the second uh, you know line of verses uh, that we can trust in the sovereignty of God. We can trust in the sovereignty of God. We see this, happening. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters His voice, the earth melts. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters His voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. We can trust in the sovereignty of God. We can trust in the goodness of God. We can trust Uh, and hope that nothing can thwart His plan. Nothing. There's no one or no greater thing that can influence our God. I'm reading through a book right now just about a kind of... it's more than just like mythology, Greek mythology, but just sort of like different civilizations and their gods and and, and how they adopted different things. And you think about just even just sort of a generalization of like the Roman Empire where they would conquer and then sort of adopt... Uh, certain aspects. Conquer, adopt certain, certain aspects. And you think about Athens, we see this in the book of Acts, you know, where, uh, where we see in, in Athens was kind of like this hub of just uh, religious activity and, and, and mythology and gods and, and, and all these types of things. Uh, and yet there is only one true God. There's only one true God who is sovereign over all, and in hardship, we can trust it. We can trust in it. We trust that sovereignty. We trust His goodness. We're not trusting in a multitude. We're trusting in a one. Right? And so we see that, and we see encouragement in that, that, that there's nothing that can happen that is outside of God's control. And so we're thankful, and we hope in that. We see Psalm 139, You formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. It's a very familiar passage to many of us. Jeremiah you know the Israel was in uh, exile, Babylonian exile, uh, and and we see in Jeremiah uh, where there's a, a passage that says, "I know the plans that I have for you, plans for welfare, not evil, to give you a future and a hope." Right, and I think sometimes we can misquote that and not understand kind of the full context. This is this is the elders that were remnants, so to speak, of this exile, uh, and here's Jeremiah coming to them and saying. Here's hope. Here's hope. I have plans for you. Plans for you to prosper. Plans for you to return. There's hope here. There's hope here. One of the interesting things in in 2005-ish or so, I was able to go to Thailand and do some tsunami relief type of stuff. I believe it was December 2004. Uh, is when I'm just a monstrous tsunami hit uh, kind of that Indonesian Thailand region. Uh, and I remember we were doing a training. This was with the Georgia Baptist Convention. We were doing training before we were going just to kind of understand some cultural context, uh, but also understand just what they were experiencing um, as a result of these losses. And and one of the interesting things, we watched a video, which is really pretty morbid actually, but uh, thinking back on it, but we watched video. I mean, there were videos taken of, of, of this tsunami happening and and, 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 and please, I hope you don't take offense by what I'm about to say, but uh, like the kind of the ignorance of what was happening. And I mean that in the truest sense, like just not knowing what was happening. And so we, we watched these videos, um, again, of someone filming from like up on a mountaintop down to the beach. And what happened is the water just kind of recedes, I guess would be the right, right term. It, it recedes, and then a wave just, and it doesn't stop. That's what happens. So what you see is you you literally, we saw people not knowing, going in and grabbing fish, grabbing food, not knowing what was happening. Not knowing what was happening. And the person that was leading that training said, you know, when we think about God and we think about his sovereignty and we think about his dominion over all things. You know, you look at the book of Job, and, you know, we could go through all, all of these uh, back and forth um, that he has with, with, with Job, but uh, there's a passage in Job 38 where he says, basically, where were you when I created? Like, where were you, and, and who are you to tell me because I'm the one that actually tells the, the water to stop on the seashore? Kind of a, Kind of a language. And he just recalled, what well, we got, 1057? Okay, thanks. That's good help. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, like, God is sovereign. And we watched that wave, and it just didn't stop. It didn't stop like it was supposed to. And yet God is still sovereign. God is still sovereign. Romans 8:28, for those who love God, we know that He works all together for for those for the good of those who love him. You know those those types of passages, those types of things, are, allow us to trust in his sovereignty. And I think finally we can submit to his supremacy. We can submit to the supremacy of God, and I think sovereignty and supremacy are. are very interchangeable um, at times but but when i'm thinking about supremacy of god it says come behold the works of the lord how He has brought desolations on the earth he makes war cease to the end of the earth he breaks the bow and shatters the spear he burns the chariots with fire be still and know that i am god i will be exalted among the nations i will be exalted in the earth be still and know that i am god there are no other gods, right? We understand from the first commandment, right? Have no other, there should be no other gods before me. There are no other gods. Again, I'm a little influenced right now because I'm reading through a book about other gods. But nonetheless, there are none. There are none. We're not worshiping a multitude of gods for every aspect and every facet of my life. And so if I need X, Y, Z, then I go to X, Y, Z, God to go find it. no. He is supreme over all. He is supreme over all. We see that in creation. We see that in, again, the commandments. We see that, interestingly, uh, when the Ark of the Covenant was, was stolen by the Philistines uh, and they put one of their gods inside of it. And what happened? If you remember the story, uh, they woke up the next day and it had fallen over. So, yeah, that's weird. Let's lift it back up. And they woke up the next day and it had fallen over and its head fell off right? I love that. I love that. One, because it's humorous. Two, it's the supremacy of God. That statue of Dagon or Dagon, however you want to pronounce it, that is not a God. That is nothing to be worshipped. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The God of Jacob is our fortress. I've already referenced Paul in Athens staring Standing in, uh, before the Areopagus, if that's how you pronounce it, um, men of Athens, I see you have, you know, many gods, but you have one to an inscription to an unknown god. Well, let me tell you who that is. Let me tell you who that is. He is supreme over all. Any idol we have in our life, any idol we've worshipped, I'm again, referencing Thailand, if you go there, there's, there's uh, idols and worship, and there's, there's spirits. And, and we were in this town called Lanu, Thailand, down in the peninsula, uh, and there was a, actually a festival going on, and it was some of the most demonic stuff that you could ever imagine or see uh, in, this, in this area. And they're worshiping nothing. Nothing. Because our God is supreme. And our God is one. And so what do we do in hardship? What do we do in trial? What do we do when we get to the point where we say, I don't know that I can do this anymore? Or this is really difficult? Again, in that same lunch that I was having with Jason, I was, uh, there was another pastor friend of ours here locally who was talking about some missionaries coming back to their church and, and wanting them just to be honest. Just be honest. I, said, I know it's hard. I know it's challenging. I know it's difficult. I just wish they would tell me. Let us, let that not be us. And I don't mean that as an indictment. I know it's so challenging. I mean that just as an example to just simply say hardship and trial is a part of life. We see it every day. We see it every day. We experience it every day. I tell you stories and write a book every day. And if you're familiar and you've been down to, to recenter, Uh, We talk about Susan, I believe, is that right? Uh, Susan was sharing just, you know, some of the folks out there really just, like, they want to be out there. Yes, they do. There's a a multitude of reasons why someone uh, ends up there. Yes, they do. They're bound in this life. And there's liberty in Christ. There's liberty in Christ. And so our God is a mighty fortress indeed. Let's pray.